0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Awesome, it's great to have you in church. And uh, we're going to, you'll still get to see some of the grand finals, so don't worry about that. But um, seeing it's our... football finals weekend yesterday was the AFL grand final and today is the NRL grand final most people here probably follow NRL being Queenslanders or there's probably a few Victorians in the building or whatever that follow that but tonight I want to talk about for and against for and against and and I thought about that term and it's a term that's used in sport it's used in many different things and uh, in AFL and NRL, they use it in their scoring systems. For example, this uh, this season in AFL, Geelong and uh, Adelaide both finished top of the table on the same amount of points, but Adelaide won to- as top went as top of the table simply because they're for and against points. And uh, and the way that works is is that you know your four points are the ones that you've scored. So they add up all the points of the season, all the goals they've scored, all the points they've scored, do the same thing in NRL, and they get your total at the end of the season. Your against points are all the points that have been scored against you. And so then what they do is then they take the, uh, the against, or the four points and divide them by the against points, times it by 100, and gives you a percentage. So you want your percentage to be like at least 100%, because that means, well, at least you've got even points. But if it's less than 100%, then then you've had more points scored against you than what you have scored, and you're probably losing a few games in the season. So just to... uh, you know, just to give you this is a, can we throw that up on the screen? Jojo's our mathematical genius. So let's do, we're going to do an against situation. So if we've got, if we've got 700 points that are four, and we divide that by 900 points against, we times it by 100 and we get 77.7%. Let's take the same amounts. We swap them around. We've got points four at the end of the season. We've done a bit better. And it's divided by 700 points. And we times it by 100, we get 128.5%. So the point is this. Why are you talking about this? The point is this. You want your four points to be greater than you're against. You want what you're for to be greater than what you're against. And, you know, we see this over the years, you know, and I want to relate this back to the church and as, as individual Christians, that the church and individual Christians need to be known more for what they are for than what they're against. And over the years, you know, and I'm talking about, you can talk about hundreds of years really, that over the years the church in general, not all churches but some, have been known more so for what they've been against than what they've been for. And the problem is with that is if the church is always saying we're against this, we're against that, we're against that, then people start to, they feel condemned of their life, so they feel condemned by someone saying, you're, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, no, that's not right. They feel condemned, so they actually switch off and stop listening. And so we end up with a situation where people don't want to listen. To Christians anymore. I don't want to listen to the church, or they, you know, think, well, I'm not going to listen to God because that's, you know, they keep telling me just all the bad things. They just they keep telling me what they're against and I'm doing that wrong, but there's, no, there's nothing positive coming out, and so it becomes a problem. That's not in every church, that's not in our church, but in some churches, even today, we still see that happening, which is sad because it's not the way Jesus did it. And so we need to be known for what we are for. Than what, than rather than what we're against because it will give people, otherwise it will give people a wrong perspective of the church and a wrong, wrong perspective of Jesus. If we only speak about what we're against all the time, we cause people to feel condemned and we never want that to happen. Jesus didn't make people feel condemned condemned he didn't pull people down he didn't try and he didn't come upon them hard saying you've done this wrong or that wrong or that wrong he did dealt with deal with sin he talked about sin but he did it in a different way that doesn't mean that we always you know, don't speak up for righteousness or don't make a stand on something because the church in our nation is making a stand right at this moment actually on certain issues. And as, as together the, they've come together and hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people have been represented as Christians have come together to make a stand for what the Bible says. And so that doesn't mean we step back and go, oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't tackle any issues. No, we still have to make a stand. We still make a stand for righteousness. We still make a stand for truth. We still speak the truth, but we do it with love and we do it in a way that does, doesn't come with condemnation, but we bring life in what we say and we bring an alternative answer to the situation. And so they, you know, they can come, you you can deal with the situation and say, oh, this is going to happen, That's, that's how it is, that's how we're going to live our life, but you can bring an alternative situation, an alternative answer that changes and transforms the situation and makes people think a different way, something they've never thought about before, and that's what Jesus did. So we need to be, as the church and as individual Christians, we need to be people who are known for what they are for and not as much is known as what, you know, we're against. That doesn't mean that we can't be against some things and we should be against some things which we'll talk about. But if people are only hearing about what you're against, if people around you are only only hearing from your mouth saying, oh, I'm against this and this is bad, that's good, and that per- person shouldn't be doing that, no, 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 then that, that's all they're going to hear. And they're, after a while, they going to switch off. And so can you, don't talk about that. All my hear is negative all the time. People need to hear what we are for. It reminds me of the, the story. I shared a video a few weeks ago, about three or four weeks ago now, about the woman caught in adultery. And how Jesus is at the temple and he's teaching a group of people. And then all of a sudden, these religious leaders and teachers of the law turn up with this woman and say, Jesus, they interrupt what he's talking about and drag her in. And say, we've caught this woman in the act of adultery. And the law says, the law of Moses says that she should be stoned to death. And they've got rocks in their hands ready to do it. And they say, what do you say, Jesus. Now, the truth is about the situation is this. The people that brought the woman there didn't care about the woman at all. The only reason they brought the woman there was to use her to try and get Jesus to say something they could use against Him. They tried to bring, tried to trick Him, say, we'll, we'll bring her in. You'll have to agree with us because we know we're right. We know we've got, we've got the law on our side. But they underestimated Jesus. They underestimated the love of God. And so... They say all these things, they say, come on, Jesus, give us an answer. Give us an answer. We should stone it. You should pick up a rock, Jesus. You should be stoning it. And so this whole situation and people are waiting for what Jesus is going to say. And he doesn't say anything. He actually just grabs his finger in the dirt, plenty of dirt in those days, on the floor, on the road, on the steps, or wherever he was, and he starts writing things in the steps, in the, in the dirt, in front of all these people, in front of all these men. And he says one line which only Jesus could do. And he says, "Any of you who haven't ever sinned, you've, you cast the first rock." That's all he says, And then he goes down and starts keeps riding in the sand. And, and the religious teachers and the teachers of the, Lord, the oldest ones first, drop their rocks and walk away, and one by one they drop their rocks and walk away until no one else is there. All those men that were condemning this woman, they're all gone. And she's standing there. And Jesus looks at her and he says, where are the men who are condemning you? And where are they? And she goes, oh, they're not here anymore. And he says, I don't condemn you either. But he says, go and sin no more. Jesus didn't say it was wrong, that it wasn't wrong what she was doing. He didn't say that she deserved death. The Lord, They were right. The Lord deserved, That's what the law said. But Jesus had come to bring mercy He'd come to bring compassion and forgiveness and he was God's representative. And because of who he was, he was able to stand in the gap between the accusers and the woman. And say, no, you don't know who I am yet, but I'm about to pay the price for her life. And so you may condemn her, but your own... Because... Because he could have, he could have, doesn't say in the Bible what he wrote, but he wrote down some sins, he probably wrote down some phrases. And there could have been some, there could have been men standing there, the very men, the, the crowd of men that brought this woman, some of them could have been adulterers themselves. I don't know exactly what he wrote, but he probably wrote down things that they were doing in their life, maybe secret things that no one knew, saw, knew, and he and he's straight away, if, you, if you've got no sin, sure throw the first rock and none of them could do it because they all were dealing with sin in their life jesus was the master communicator and storyteller jesus showed people what he was for in that one story in that one example he showed that he was for mercy he was for compassion he was for people People that were being accused, people that were being pulled down, people that were being pointed at and accused of, of sin. He came He came for even those ones that the are accused with the rocks. He came just as much for them as for the woman. Our world at this time desperately needs the church and individual Christians to communicate what we are for, because what we are for is the answer to what the world needs. What we are for is the answer for what the world needs. They don't see it. They're searching for truth. They're searching for life. And maybe because of things that have happened in the past, maybe because of some Christians or a church has done it the wrong way and accused and condemned, they feel condemned, they think, well, that mustn't be the answer. But the answer is there because what that that percentage of churches or people have done that doesn't represent the whole church. The answer for what they need is found in what we are for, because what we are for is the same as what Jesus is for. People knew what Jesus was for and they knew what he was against, but he spoke about what he was for much more than what he was against. He highlighted and spoke about what he was for. He let people know this, and here's some examples in scripture of what he said, I'm for. He said this in John 12 46, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. He said, I've come as a light. I haven't come to bring darkness. I haven't come to be, be scary or punished or bring fear. I have come to bring light so that they can put their trust in me and no longer remain in the dark. He said this in Luke. I love this one. In Luke 14, 17 to 19, it says, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he says, and this has been fulfilled right now while you've heard it. And he said, in basic, he said, I am all of that. He said, that is what I have come to do. He, said, he came and told people, this is what I'm for. Not what I'm against. I'm, I'm, I'm against sin, he said, but I'm for people. I'm for these things. I want people to be set free. I want people to be transformed. Jesus was for people, especially broken people like that woman that was caught in adultery. Jesus stood for truth. He brought hope, demonstrated love, released power, bound up the enemy and set people free and healed the sick. That's some of the things that he was for. Jesus is the example of what the church is meant to be in 2017. Jesus is still the example to today of what the church should be. If we want to see what the church should be, what the church should be doing, how it should be acting, how it should be treating people, we only need to look at Jesus. He's the example of who we are and what we should be doing. We need to know what, with clarity what we are for and what we're against. Do you know what you are for and what you're against? Is that something that's a clarity? Is that something that's a strength? Can you straight away know, yeah, I'm for these things, I'm for that, I'm against this. Do you know what you're for? Because if you don't know what you're for, then your foundation is probably a bit shaky. And when you... Begin to talk to people. If you're not sure what you're for, if you're not sure what you're against, then it's going to come across maybe a bit, you know, a bit gray in the middle, not so much black and white or clear. They're going to go, Well, I think I know what you mean, or I think I know what you're for. So we've got to know what we are for and what we are against. We are against sin and those things that are contrary to the word of God. We're against the devil, but we aren't against people. No matter who that person is, what that person has done, no matter what lifestyle they're living, no matter what sin they're living in and they don't care, we are still not against people ever. Ever. The church and Jesus were never ever against people. No matter, he knew what the stuff they were doing. He even knew these religious leaders and teachers are trying to trick him. He knew all that, but he still wasn't against them. He confronted them. When they confronted him, he confronted them and, and spoke some things and spoke the truth of what they were doing and revealed what they were doing when he needed to, but he still loved them. He still cared for them. We are for the same things that Jesus is for. When you speak about what you are for and show God's love and speak with hope and faith, it will become clear to people what you are against without you even saying it do you know when you are if you can if you just speak continually speak about what you are for and the things that you are for because the things we are for are good they're not against people. They're not bringing darkness. They're bringing light. They're not. They're not pulling people down, but they're lifting people up. And so, when we speak about the things we're for, people are very. When we do it clearly with clarity, people are straight away going to know without us even saying it what we're against because they're going. Well, if they're for that, they're definitely going to be against that. If they're for the, if they're for the Word of God, if they're for the things that Jesus said, if then then they're definitely against those things. So they're going to know without you even saying it. What you're against, we're against sin, we're against the schemes of the enemy, we're against the enemy destroying people's lives, we're, we're against the same things Jesus were against, but we are for the same things that Jesus spoke about and the same things that he demonstrated. We're for the same things that the Word of God says we are for. Romans 8.31 says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? You know the thing that you've got to know that God, do you know realize that God is for you? When you know Him, when He lives on the inside of you, like Pastor Mary Lynn was saying this morning, when you know God is for you, that when you know Him, it's when he's for you, he's got your back. It's like it's like wherever you go, God is for you. He's with you, he's leading you, he's helping you. It's like sometimes it's like we're walking along, but you've got to realize you've got a whole army behind you. You're walking, you've got a whole you, you know, you've got a whole army of God that wants to bring down the schemes of the enemy, he wants to take down the enemy before you and and strongholds, demonic strongholds, he wants to break down all that stuff. He's with you. And sometimes we go, no, God, it's okay. You know, I know you're busy. You've got a few things on your mind. And you've got other people to look after. I'll just do this one myself. And so sometimes we try and do it our own strength, thinking, oh, no, we're doing God a favor. But God's saying, I'm for you. I've got all the weight of heaven is behind you. All the weight, all my, all my love, all my power, everything I am, is, is done for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. And so, so don't, I'll wait if you want me to wait, but I am with you. And you need me to get through. You need me to make it. You need my strength in those situations. God is for us. And you know, simply in our world, one of the most simplest messages you can tell someone is is that God is actually for them and not against them. Because a lot of our world thinks God is against them. Simple as that. That message is enough. That message is enough for 50% of our world, for multiple millions of people. They just need to know God is not against them. He's not standing there with some big stick going, well, you've been bad. Here's here's the list of your sins. Look at them all. Look at all the ones. This is just last week, and I can't even unroll the whole thing. He's not walking around like that at all because Jesus took it all because Jesus took the list upon his own body, upon himself. He, he took that list. He took all that sin upon himself, took the beating that was deserved, took the punishment deserved, and he took it all. And so God's not walking around like that. He's saying, I'm for them. I'm for them. And people are thinking, oh my God, he doesn't love me. No, he loves them. He's pursuing them. And he's using you and me to do it. And people need to see what we are for and not against. So there's a story in the Bible where Jesus, a teacher of the law, comes to Jesus in Luke 10, 25 to 37. And he says this. He says, one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. Now, he wasn't trying to trick Jesus or anything like that. He was he was like trying to clarify, let's just see who Jesus really is and let's see if he really you know, is wise and all this kind of stuff. And then have teachers come and have a conversation, ask these questions. There would have been a whole group of people there. And he stands up and to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. That's correct. You got it right. You're all good. He said, do this and you will live, Jesus says. The man wanted to justify his actions. In other words, he's saying, oh, let's just see if there's any loopholes in this. And uh, any ways so I can get around some of this stuff. Uh, he wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and um, who's my neighbor? That's what the question. Is. He says, oh, you know, he's sort of thinking, you can imagine he's sort of thinking, oh, well, maybe that doesn't include everybody. It probably includes most people. But like, you know, I don't have to sort of love that person, do I? Or that would be okay if I just love most people. And so he's kind of clarified. And he says, like, who's my neighbor, Jesus? Tell me. So Jesus replied with a story. Jesus replied often with a story, which is awesome because people understood it. So a Jewish man, which is, that's important. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped off his clothes, beat him up. And left him half dead beside the road. So I want you to picture this scene. There's a man beaten up on the side of the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. The person you think would help saw him and went, No way, and then went across the other side of the road. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan, that's important as well. He de- Jesus deliberately said the man who was beaten up was Jewish. And the third man that came along was a despised Samaritan. Came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds put with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. That amount of money equivalent today is about $400, $450. He hands him and said, here's $450. He said that you look after him for, you know, when i come back through, I'll pay whatever else you need to be paid. And then he says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, this is a religious leader who asked the question in the first place. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. That's how he answered his question about who is my neighbor. I'm trying to justify, does that mean it's everyone and there's a lot more to this if you look into this story. So let's just talk about this for a moment. First of all, Jesus deliberately said the man who was beaten up was Jewish. Okay? And the third man who helped him was a Samaritan. And if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. The other thing is this, they didn't get along so much as that they'd, you know, if they walk along the road, they'd swear at each other. Like they'd yell at each other. They wouldn't even look at each other. And so when you're walking on the road, the Jews would walk one side and then the Samaritans would walk on the other side as far as away as possible so they didn't need to walk near each other. And what's interesting about this story is that the Jewish man who would have been walking on the Jewish side of the road was walking along beaten up by bandits laying on the side of the road and then the two Jewish first two men, the priests and the temple assistant walked along and then they would have been walking on the same side. They saw the man and they crossed deliberately to the other side of the road so they didn't need to go near him because they didn't want to help him and walk far enough along and then cut back in and would have kept walking on the other side of the road. The Samaritan who's walking on this side of the road, who didn't want to go, you know, if he walked over on the other side of the road where the Jewish people are, he's going to get harassed and, you know, people yelling at him or whatever. What are you doing on this side of the road? We don't like you or whatever. Instead of going, oh, well, he's Jewish, for starters, he's not even meant to, they don't hang out together, they don't talk together, don't get on, they gets, gets ridiculed by Jews and vice versa. He goes along but has compassion on the man, sees he's Jewish but still crosses the road and goes over to where he didn't usually walk, where he didn't usually go, to a person he doesn't usually talk to, to a person that other people he would say, well, don't, don't help a Jew. They just hate you. Don't help a Jew. He'd get ridiculed by his own people, Jewish people, whatever, but he goes anyway and he goes over and helps this person. The truth of this story is this, that if it was a Samaritan, imagine a Samaritan is walking along the road. It's a Samaritan now who gets beaten up, laying on the side of the road in the same condition. And if the expert in the law who asked Jesus the question was walking along the road, the truth is he wouldn't have stopped he would have kept walking that's the point jesus was trying to make he said well who's my neighbor that does not everyone is it probably think not samaritans and jesus made the point saying that it doesn't matter who the person is it doesn't matter what they've done it doesn't matter if they're your enemy it doesn't matter if they yell out abuse to you despise you say bad things about you on facebook doesn't matter who they are, if they're hurting, if they're beaten up, then if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you cross to the other side and you help them. That's what Jesus was saying. And people in our world need to know that's what the church is. They need to know that's who you are. They need to know that is who a Christian is doesn't matter what someone has said about you. doesn't matter how they've persecuted you, what they've said, what they've done. Even if they physically hurt you, got aggressive towards you, if you find them beaten up on the street, Jesus would say, go and help them anyway. Go and help them because that's who I am. That's who the church is. I'm the head of the church. You are the body. That's what I would do. That's what Jesus would do. So the question I have for you tonight is, which person are you? Which person are you? Are you the person that would stop? Are you the person that would keep walking? If we're all honest, if I'm honest, there's probably times in my life where I haven't realized and I've, I've walked by people I should have helped. And Jesus is saying, hey, We've got to be known by, for who what we're for and not what we're against. It reminds me of a couple of other situations and stories. It reminds me of the Samaritan woman at the well where Jesus, the Bible says he went out of his way to go through Samaria and the disciples didn't know what was going on, to go and go, he goes to a well and waits at a well and the, and the disciples go into town to get food and he waits at the well and a Samaritan woman comes to the world it's the opposite situation of this very story that Jesus told she's not beaten up but she's a broken woman she's got her life is a mess it's full of sin and he sits down he deliberately goes out of his way to reach out to this woman that he didn't have to the Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, they have a whole conversation about it, about why are you even talking to me? And then he begins to speak in her life about living water and, and then he begins to confront her and says, well, yeah, what about, you can have this living water, but what about your husband? He begins to confront like the lifestyle she's living and it results in, you know, we've shared the story many times, it results in her going back to her village and saying, I've met, I've met the Messiah, I've met that he told me all about myself and all these people come out to meet Jesus and he goes for two more days into their village and Tells them about the kingdom of God and the goodness of God. People, the Jews would say, Jesus, you're not meant to go talk to them. The disciples would have been like, Jesus, what are you doing talking to them? They're Samaritans. We don't get on. And Jesus is like, Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It reminds me of Zacchaeus, who's up a tree just to see Jesus because he was short, like Kate. You said it. Sorry, that was just, that was off the cuff. I just just remembered you saying that. But Zacchaeus was shorter than Kate. He would have been about here on the microphone. And so, and so Zacchaeus, sorry Kate, you can slap me later. And so Zacchaeus is up a tree trying to see Jesus. And so He's walking along and all the people are like, you know, he tried to get in the line and trying to sit on the side of the road or whatever Jesus is coming. They're like, get away Zacchaeus and he's a tax collector. Tax collectors, if we know about them, they'd rip people off. They'd charge more than they meant to and they had the Roman soldiers on their side so people couldn't hurt them or whatever because the Roman soldiers would back up the tax collector. And So he's wealthy because he's getting all the, he's charging double for things and charging extra tax and all this kind of stuff. And so he's he hears about Jesus, oh, he's in my town, I want, to, I want to see Jesus. So he can't get close to the people, they just don't like him, they're like, get away, Zacchaeus, you don't need to be here, and he climbs a tree, and he comes along, and G- out of all these thousands of people that would have been looking for Jesus, and around, and hearing he's coming through, he stops at the tree where Zacchaeus is, and he looks up to Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house for dinner, and people are like infuriated, they're like, What? Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector, Jesus. You want to go and hang, he's a sinner. He's a sinner, sinner, sinner alert, sinner. And so they're like, sinner, bad, 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 bad person, sinner, sinner, sinner. And so they're like, you know, they're like, hey, hate him. Like, what's Jesus, and like the religious leaders are like, how dare Jesus go and hang out with this guy, and, he, and he's like, you know, he's terrible, and Jesus, no, I'm going to your house for dinner. So he goes with a few of his disciples, goes to dinner, and Zacchaeus would have quickly got all his best cutlery out, and plates, and cooked up a meal, and spent money on the meal and thought Jesus is coming. It doesn't talk about the whole conversation they have, but during the night, maybe towards the end of the night, Zacchaeus stands up and says, I need, I need to say something. He said, he said I, I've done the wrong thing. Whatever the conversation was, whatever Jesus said, Jesus showed what he was for, not against. Because he loved Zacchaeus and he showed him love. And said, Zacchaeus, I'll come and hang out with you. No one else might, but I will. And he listened to what Jesus had to say. And he said, look, I've done the wrong thing. He said, if I've wronged anyone, I'm going to pay him back four times. It's a lot of money. He must have had a lot of money. And he, and he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to give it all back. And I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do the wrong thing anymore. And his life was transformed in a moment because Jesus stopped Stopped at the person that no one else would have stopped. All the other crowd are going, no, nothing. I'm not going. To... I would never go to his house for dinner. I don't want to go and hang out with him. He's a rotten tax collector. He's ripped me off. But Jesus said, no, no, no. You have got to look past, past the sin. Look past the mistakes. Makes me think of Legion. Jesus had been preaching all day long. He was tired. He said, we need to get in the boat and travel across the lake. They went through a storm. That came up against them trying to get to the other side. That's a whole other story. And he and the side was like, we don't know where we're going, but he goes across the other side and ends up a place where it's a graveyard, basically, outside of town. And there's one man there called Legion. He's chain he's got chains around his wrist, he's broken the chains and he's got cuts all over his body. He's naked. Imagine the scene, he's a wild man. The town had chained him up because they couldn't control him and put chains around him and to whatever they chained into, to. He's broken the chains, and his name was Legion. And, and when he comes to talk to Jesus, it's not him talking. It's the demonic spirits. 2,000 of them were he was possessed by. Allegiance, 2,000. And so he's got 2,000 demonic spirits inside him. That's why he was so strong to break the chains. That's why he could, they couldn't hold him. And Jesus, in one word, he didn't touch him to do anything but, he, but the, the demons said, please don't throw us in the... They started begging Jesus the moment they saw him. That's the kind of a power and authority he carried. 2,000 demons start begging Jesus, please don't throw us into that abyss. And, and they said, oh, throw us in the pigs over there. And so Jesus said, get out. That's all he said. And in a moment, in one moment, Legion was free. And he was so changed and so free that when people from their town arrived looking for their pigs that had jumped over a cliff. And when they'd arrived, basically, like, what has our pigs got? And so they'd all gone and drowned in the water. And so they, they rock up looking, going, and they see him sitting there, legion, with a coat around his shoulders, sitting there in his right mind, the Bible says. In his right mind, he's possessed Confused, He's like just a wild man. In one moment, he's in his right mind. People, Jesus can set people free in one moment and put them in their right mind. People that have been, you know, hallucinating on drugs and all kind of damage to their, their mind and their body. In one moment, God can change them in a moment and set them free and make them in their right mind. And he sits there and the people were so shocked at the change in legion that they were scared of jesus that's the truth they thought whoa what's wrong with him and they're like there's nothing wrong with him anymore and they're like no no this is too much this is too much and you've got to leave jesus this is too much we can't handle it so jesus goes legion wants to come with him he's like don't leave me with all this crowd you know they don't even like me still and I've gotten healed. And, and he says, no, you stay and, and tell all the people. There's 10 villages in that region. And he went and spoke to all of them. And when Jesus, and you can read, when Jesus comes back again into that region, down the track, he said, people came running and brought all their sick and all the lame, all came down. And he said, they were just touching Jesus' garment and everyone was healed. Everyone, it says. Everyone was healed why because legion had gone back and told his story and jesus loved legion and showed people what he was for enough to go across a lake for one man to set him free i want to finish with a couple of scriptures band you just want to come up as we finish tonight jesus said this in john 8 12 jesus spoke to the people once more and said i am the light of the world If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. He said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. People need to know that. People around you need to know that Jesus is the light of the world. He's the only one who is the light of the world. He's not just the light of a city, the light of a country, a country or a, a region he's the light of the whole world the light of the world for every tongue every race every person he's the light of the world then he says this in Matthew five fourteen to 16 you are the light of the world talking to us talking to the disciples talking to us now says you're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, let people see what you are for rather than what you're against. Let them see what you are for rather than against. you want to stand tonight?